This week on Go the Star Yourself, we're talking about the star of Chuck's performance in the 2017 animated holiday film, The Star, starring Zachary Levi and roughly a hundred other people. Star of Wonder, Star of Night, Star with Royal Beauty Bright, Westward Leading, Still Proceeding, Guide Us to Thy Perfect Light. Hello, you're listening to Go the Star Yourself. My name is Chris Gillespie. You should call yourself Father Chris Gillespie because that was a great sermon, or I guess him song. It, it sounded really good. You sounded really natural. Maybe I should be called Father Christmas Gillespie. Ah, that's ah. Even, even better, although I don't think that... Um, Santa is a priest. I was trying to imply that you sounded like a priest. Not that you sounded like Santa, but I don't know. Anyone can be Santa. That's what we learned from the Santa Claus. Uh, well, do you want to introduce yourself, my co-host? Oh, did I not do that? My name is... Uh, oh, I wish I had... Well, I can't really call myself Mrs. Claus. Um, Aaron the Angel Arata. Yeah, we could go with that. We could do... Um, there's not really... There's not there's a lot of biblical names in this movie. There's not really like a name that goes well with Aaron, though. Well, I mean, Aaron, boy, Aaron, Aaron is a um, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron is a famous biblical pirate. Oh, um, <laughs> Jesus. What are you going to be doing there? <laughs> you want to lift on my boat? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's I guess I guess that's why I'm that's Old Testament. That's that's the wrong testament. But we'll we'll go with that. <laughs> you, you heard it here first. Aaron is referring to the Old Testament as the wrong <laughs> no, testament. I don't, mean, I don't mean generally speaking. I mean in the context of this film. This film is okay. very New Testament heavy. <laughs> yes, one can say that it's almost all New Testament. <laughs> uh, so you maybe know us from our other podcast, uh, Go Chuck Yourself, where we usually talk about the television show Chuck uh, year round. But this week we are starting a new podcast that is the uh, Go the Star Yourself. Yep. The star is, of course... Uh, one of the feature films starring Zachary Levi. So it's kind of connected to Chuck. I want to be clear. Um, we're not talking about A Star is Born. There is a star in this movie and someone is born, but this is not Go A Star is Born Yourself. This is Go The Star Yourself. You'll never believe who's born in this movie. It's a big fucking deal. <laughs> um, we're going to hell. Yes. Uh, also, look, we're going to be talking about a movie that is a animated movie uh, that is based on the nativity story. Uh, I don't think that we are going to be making fun of the nature of the nativity story. I think we're specifically going to be talking about the film and what it and how it executes whatever um, the the source content is. So if this is something that you feel strongly about, then maybe this isn't for you. Uh, we don't mean any ill will. This is our holiday special. We're having fun. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there to make sure that. Everyone knows that we are not coming out of a place of uh, negativity. Yes. My cousin is a priest, so you know that I uh, support this. And we're going to dial him up later in this episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. We <laughs> that should have been. Uh, yeah. Why don't we think of that? All right. Time. Maybe we'll do it later. So this is the star. I thought, um, do, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you came to view the star? Uh, yeah, so there, well, I want to talk about primarily a way that I could have seen the star, maybe. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, which right? was, I don't know if... The, were, were you trying to go see it, and then one of your friends said he had an upset stomach, so you weren't able to go? <laughs> too soon, Aaron. Too soon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if this happens when you Google the star, but I've been Googling the star quite a bit in preparation for this uh-huh. episode. And something that has struck me uh, before was that when you Google the star, it would come up with movie times in my area for the star. <laughs> really? And this film came out in November of 2017. I Obviously, there's also a pandemic going on, so movie theaters aren't really a tremendous thing at this point. Um, if they're still open, I guess some movies are still being shown in theaters and they're doing social distancing mm, or whatever. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, So when I Googled the star, the showing that kept popping up, that kept trying, it wanted me to go to, was a showing at, uh, the AMC Theater in Clifton, New Jersey, okay, on Saturday, December twelfth, yeah, at five a.m. And so I was looking at this and I kept seeing it. And I was like, "Are they really showing a movie at five a.m.?" Because I know sometimes they show kids' movies like earlier in the day. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was like, 5 a.m. Is that like a kids' movie early in the day thing?" But they're like spreading it out because of social distancing, so it's like really, really early. Mm-hmm. So to test that theory, I tried to purchase a ticket for the movie at 5 a.m. I had no anticipation. Okay. I did not want to go to it. Um, yeah. But I found out pretty soon after I had already selected my seats on the theater's website. I picked, mm-hmm. I got the best seats because there was no one else in the theater. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then it, there was an error message saying that there was all the tickets were no longer available or something like that. Oh, okay. But just Googling it now, uh, I also am seeing another showing. Apparently, the star is playing every day at 5 a.m. at the AMC South Bay Center in Dorchester, Massachusetts. So great. OK, this, so we're going to take a little trip. The star might be some kind of computer virus that's destroying AMC's <laughs> uh, website. But I would say not that there's any movie that would be great to see at 5 a.m. Because uh, you depending on how far away you live from the theater, like it might take you an, a half hour, hour to get to whatever your closest movie theater is. Um, this movie is like an hour and 20 minutes long. So you go to the showing and be done and probably back in bed by six forty-five, seven, depending <laughs> on where that movie theater is. Uh, and I don't, I don't think, like I said, there's probably not any good movies to see in the theater at 5am, but I'm confident that this is definitely not it because you'd be asleep <laughs> in 10 seconds. Yeah. I thought, um, when you were something that I've, uh, that is possible right now is to rent a movie theater for yourself and your viewing pleasure. Um, and you could, you and your party could be the only people there. So I was thinking that you were going to say that you had considered <laughs> renting out an AMC or an Alamo draft house solely to watch the star alone. That could have made it. <laughs> that could have actually made it a, a fun viewing to, to yeah. watch this movie. Um, but I feel like probably pretty expensive if they're trying to expect me to bail out the movie theater industry. I feel like they probably made a lot of money. I don't think it's that bad, like com- comparatively speaking, um, to city movie prices. Am I right? Ooh. But I, I've heard it's like reasonably priced. I haven't. Uh, we thought about doing it for Wonder Woman 1984, oh. but it didn't come to pass. No. But probably the star is like one of the movies that they have, especially since it's Christmas time. You probably could do this. I guess so. What was uh, your experience like viewing the star? 
So I watched The Star yesterday as of this recording, and I already had plans with a group of friends to watch um, Zemeckis' A Christmas Carol, where uh, Jim Carrey is Scrooge and all three of the ghosts. So um, yesterday I woke up, we drove to get our Christmas tree. That was something that we did yesterday. We picked out a tree, then we realized we needed cash, so we went to get cash, then we bought the tree, then we brought the tree home, we brought it up the stairs, we decorated the tree, we took a brief pause from Christmas activities to light our menorah, <laughs> then we went right back. <laughs> we watched A Christmas Carol, and then um, I immediately, as soon as Christmas Carol was over, I said, okay, time to watch the star. So then I watched the star, Seth was in the room, he was not um, completely watching it with me, but uh, yesterday, you could say, was a um, very Christmas-heavy day. Mm -hmm. And you were able to, it sounded like you have a busy day, you were able to stay awake for the duration <laughs> of the star? Yeah, you, um, uh, as you just said, and in your text to me, you uh, expressed some worry that I would not be able to stay awake for the runtime of the star. The star was fine. It was A Christmas Carol that I actually had trouble staying awake during. Really? Yeah. I've never seen that. How was that? Well, it's just, um, it's literally just a christmas carol like it's it is just an adaptation like you'd think having jim carrey as your star there would be some like jim carrey weirdness but it was really just a straight adaptation it was like less like it had less stuff than any other christmas carol i've ever seen really it felt like a like community theater production really where the entire community is jim carrey yes of course <laughs> There was, um, if you watch it on Disney Plus, there is like an extra section that has deleted scenes, and the deleted scenes are like they they haven't finished rendering them, so they look kind of like someone described them as um, like the Harry Potter desktop game that used to be around. They just look so bad. <laughs> but we're not talking about a Christmas Carol. We're talking about. No, well, I was going to say we're talking about a Christmas story, but that's a different movie. We are talking about the original story of Christmas. The origins of Christmas. Yes. The origins of Christ. <laughs> we are putting the Christ back into Christmas. God damn it. The reason for the season. Uh, so the star, a little bit of context. This movie came out. Uh, it was released on November 17th, 2017. Just in time for Christmas. Just in time. Uh, they had a budget of $20 million. And the box office returns were 62.8, so just about $63 million. So it was not a box office bomb by any means. It actually no, it it, did pretty yeah, well. tripled its, uh, its budget, so that's yeah. a success. Um, the director is Timothy Reckhart, who is not someone that... Um, not a household name, no. but he did um, win, win or was nominated for an Oscar by Head Over Heels, which is a short. Huh. That's his claim to fame, I guess. But I don't know if you saw this, but this film was originally developed by the Jim Henson Company in the 90s, mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. And originally they were planning to do it as live action, as in like they, they were inspired by Babe. So I don't know if you can imagine, like, first of all, that would have cost so much more money. <laughs> but second of all, like, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine this live action. It's... <laughs> I was going to say, it's hard to imagine this being less entertaining than it already is. <laughs> so I want to give the... But if it's Jim Henson, do they want to use puppets for the live action? I don't know. Do you think they went the whole Babe approach of the talking animals? I would imagine they would do something like Babe where it's like partially puppets for the parts that they couldn't use live animals. But mm -hmm. like it was the 90s, so that was more common. 
back then. Well, here's the thing. If they're going to have the main character be this donkey, let's, I'll get it mm-hmm. out in the open now. This donkey, he's adorable. He's a very cute he's little donkey. He's very cute. Yes, I agree. I don't know if baby donkeys are this cute in real life. They probably aren't, but he's, uh, he's not Nestor. Don't call him Nestor. He's not the, uh, the Christmas donkey. He's a different Christmas donkey, and his name is Bo, which is short for Boaz. What about um, Dominic the donkey? Is that's a that's a Christmas donkey, right? He's Dominic the donkey is also a Christmas donkey. Dominic the donkey, the Italian Christmas song in ah. parentheses. In Italy, um, this is go the star yourself, obviously, but go chuck yourself really supports all things Italian. Right. Uh, <laughs> verdict is out on whether or not go the star yourself is a. Uh, as Italian-centric. I mean, probably the Pope is going to boycott us, so I don't know about... Well, I guess he's not in Italy, though. We've established that. Hey, all all press is good press. Am I right? If we get banned, That's true. we get sanctioned by the Pope, then... Uh, <laughs> also, this was written by Carlos Kotkin, who I think is a ghost. I He doesn't really seem to have too many movies under his belt. Um, seems like he participated in The Moth. Uh, and oh, I thought you were going to say the mob. <laughs> no, the moth, like the um, the radio program. Yes. Um, OK. Seems like if he has a, a book, maybe that he put out his book is called. He doesn't sound like a ghost to me, Chris. Sounds like he's done a lot of things. I guess so. His assuming a Christian man. I don't know. OK, what's his book? Sorry. His book is Please God, Let It Be Herpes. Well, that does reference God, right? But I do have some questions. <laughs> uh, it's about his uh, his his tales of being, uh, I guess, dating and having issues with dating and and that kind of thing. All right, cool. Okay, I don't know. So that's that's his deal. So that's the writer of the star. Apparently, someone was like, "Hey, this book's really funny about uh, STDs and uh, dating people." And we should let you write the nativity story. <laughs> An animated children's nativity story. <laughs> you ever seen VeggieTales, Chris? I have not, but I feel like it's probably a lot like this movie. Yes, I would definitely say that it is like this movie. Uh, so you've seen VeggieTales then? I have seen VeggieTales. It's been a long time, but that was... Um, I did uh, grow up with a lot of Christian friends. I actually... This is, I mean, this is where I was at as a child. I didn't realize that VeggieTales was Christian until I was, like, way older. Um, I I guess my life was just so Christian at that point that I was like, yes, they are just telling normal stories. <laughs> it's weird that they're vegetables. and Yeah, it is, it is weird. Okay, so we should get this out of the way because it's going to come up. I am a confirmed Catholic. Chris is a um, hedonistic atheist. I don't know what you are. Is am I am I calling you out here? Uh, I guess I would be a uh, Catholic dropout. I dropped out before uh, yes, the yeah. confirmation period. Mm-hmm. So, uh, former former Catholic, I guess. I feel like when I met you, this was a point of contention. And I don't remember why, but I remember being like, "Ah, Chris is one of those." <laughs> you judging me? <laughs> I guess I was. That's fine. Do we have to talk about our our relationship to? Religion and Christianity, is that like something that we should address here? I mean, I I don't have one, which is why the yeah. the X uh, part of it was, you know, I didn't really, it never really connected with me in any significant way. Um, I would say um, I am a confirmed Catholic, but as of now, um, I do not have much of a relationship um, to 
the nativity story other than that i have heard it a bunch of times i do celebrate christmas we are this year also celebrating hanukkah because seth is jewish um and so i know this story very well i think most people know it very well as the credits call it it is the greatest story ever told um so that's that's where i'm coming from this movie but i do have a um i typically have issues with um what i might say aggressively religious movies Mm -hmm. movies that are solely based in religion and telling religious stories and including like praying and god and the angel gabriel and all those things is a little bit iffy for me so i had iffy feelings going into this movie Mm -hmm. This movie is not, I am not the intended audience for this movie. No, absolutely uh, <laughs> not. Neither of us are. They they have made it clear in many interviews, the director said, our audience for this movie is Christian people. We don't really expect like general <laughs> audiences to be interested. No. Um, and there, there are kind of some interesting reviews. You can um, read a, read a interview with um, Lights Camera Jackson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but they discuss specifically like, how um, balancing like religion with like comedy and appealing to audiences. They talk about um, the Exodus film that didn't do very well with Christian audiences. They talk about how their approach with this was basically to appeal to Christians and people who are seeing Christian movies. Mm. And they were not as concerned with other audiences, which is fair enough. Yeah. They, they know their audience That's, and yeah. it seems like their audience showed up. <laughs> Yeah, they showed up uh, sixty million dollars worth of uh, show up. They yeah, I mean, there's yeah. an audience for this kind of thing, and it connects with people. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and then there's people like us who uh, Zachary uh, Levi is in this movie, and last year we did Sh- go Shazam yourself for our holiday special, mm-hmm. and Shazam is also holiday related. Yeah, uh, so this seemed like the natural fit for this year's holiday special. Yeah, uh, we're here for the Zachary Levi, and we're staying for the Talking Camels. <laughs> Yes, so that's true. Zachary Levi is not the only uh, celebrity in this film. There is a, you know, there it, it may be called The Star, but it's really a sky full of stars, if you ask me. <laughs> you got uh, Stephen Yun is the, the main character. He's Boaz the donkey. You have... Known as Bo. Keegan-Michael Key, who is Dave the Dove. Uh, Great performance. <laughs> Academy Award winning performance is Dave the Dove. Uh, A.D. Bryant is Ruth the Sheep. Um, Ving Rhames and Gabriel Iglesias are the the bad guys who are. I was really excited when I saw Ving Rhames was in this. The they're bad dogs, I guess. Uh, this part is this is the craziest part to me, and I don't understand. There's three camels, and the three camels. One of them is played by Tracy Morgan. Okay, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Pretty standard yes. animated yeah. comedy Camel. fair. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next two camels are Tyler Perry and Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, that checks out to me. Two. I don't know why you're confused. Two gigantic media moguls in these very small supporting roles as these camels. The casting director mentions in um, in interviews like that they had a list of like many people for these roles and like Oprah and Tyler Perry were at the top of the list, but they fully expected to go down several names. And then they just heard back like Tyler and Oprah were just like, yeah, sure. OK. Uh, and then pa- Patricia Heaton uh, from Everybody Loves Raymond, Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, from being Kelly Clarkson, Anthony Anderson, Kristen Chenoweth, Gina Rodriguez, Zachary Levi, of course, uh, Christopher Plummer. Uh, and then we also have cameo appearances from Chris Christopherson, uh, 
Mariah Carey is she has a song in it, but I guess she also she has does, a voice. Yeah, I would I would assume. And that she does uh, both. <laughs> Joel Austin is uh Joel Austin Osteen. Uh that guy. He's one of the three wise men. And I just wanted to say that back in kindergarten during our Christmas pageant, I was one of the three wise men myself. Wow. Yeah. Do you know which one you were? Um, well, let's see. We got the we have Caspar, Bal- mm-hmm. Balthasar, and Melchior. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mm-hmm. those are the actual names. Uh, I think... I think I've heard those names before. I don't think I had gold. I don't think I was presenting gold to the okay. baby Jesus. I think okay. I was... I have no idea. I don't remember if I was giving him frankincense or myrrh, but I was not enthused because gold seemed like the cool gift to have. And I was like, here, you want some myrrh? That's really nice. That's a good story. I don't think I was ever in a Christmas pageant. No. I was also in a Thanksgiving pageant in first grade. I was the narrator. Did your school, I was thinking about this recently. Um, my school in, I think, second grade did um, two two plays, just like our our classes combined to put on plays. And it was the story of Lewis Braille and then another one of Helen Keller. And that was just like the plays that we did. And I never, like, is that kind of weird? Do you, like, those are obviously very important stories and very, like, active figures that it's important to know about but it was a little strange that that was those were the plays that we did it's a little strange but i guess it's nice to be telling those stories instead of other things that yeah or the cat in the hat (laughs) instead of christmas (laughs) all right so you want to talk plot yeah let's let's uh skim through this this plot okay so we start um with the title card Nine Months BC, which initially made me say, fuck you, the star. But then I kind of <laughs> thought about it more and I was like, that's actually kind of clever. <laughs> um, it's kind of I don't really I understand what BC and AD mean, but I feel like this kind of this is weird because like AD is like when Jesus dies and BC is like before Jesus is alive. So this period of Jesus's life, I don't know what it's called. See? <laughs> I don't know, but it was a cute joke. Pentatonix starts the movie. I, that was the first red flag for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was um, not not at all surprised to hear them. I did not know they were coming. But once it started, I said, OK, this feels like exactly what I think was happening. <laughs> this one for me was um, like when you're in the roller coaster and you're like going up the, the first hill and you're like, I don't know if I should have done this. I don't. This is this, <laughs> this seemed like a good idea at the time, but now I'm kind of scared. Yeah, I don't like I don't like acapella music. It also um, bears addressing the the cast um, a little a little too white. I would say not the actors are like fine, uh, relatively diverse, but uh, Mary and Joseph looking um, they're not blonde, so that is an improvement on the cardboard Bible I had growing up. But they um, do have blue eyes and they do have very Caucasian features, so. Just, you know, throwing that out there. Yeah, I was going to touch upon that later, but um, okay. <laughs> I, we could t- we could discuss it now. That did stand yeah. out to me as like, this is obviously an issue. Um, God, through thousands of years of history yeah. of mm-hmm. whitewashing and re- like yeah. this kind of religion thing of being like, oh, well, they're white. So and then the baby Jesus is born and he's blonde. Um, Mary is very caucasian looking joseph is at least like a little bit tan but still overall um they have curly hair as opposed to straight blonde hair so that's like kind of an improvement (laughs) but it just like looks like they have 
colorless skin, basically. Yeah. Like, and, they're just very white. Yeah. Um, which was like a little bit disappointing because we have had some some like religious things. Um, the shack comes to mind, um, which has a Middle Eastern man playing Jesus. We've had um, we've we've had like pushes towards that recently. So I was a little disappointed that the star did not have more um, the human characters looking as people of color. But that's fine. Especially, Whatever. as you said, the like the cast itself is actually very diverse. Um, yeah. But that is not reflected on the screen. Um, so we have um, a, a pygmy Jeroba, or you could just call it a mouse, um, <laughs> is uh, watching as Mary is told by um, the angel. They, they don't really establish who this is, but the angel Gabriel shows up. You know, the nativity story is like, you're going to have a baby, shines light on her, which is like, I guess, the conception. And then this um, this pygmy Jeroba named Abby is watching on and then runs off to tell all the little animals about what just happened. <laughs> So that's uh, that's how the movie starts. Yep. So then we fast forward six months um, and we meet our hero, Bo, who is a Miller's donkey. He's um, he's dissatisfied with life. He has a friend named Dave, who I thought was a pigeon, but is actually a dove. Um, and their dream is to be part of the royal caravan so that Bo can have a king ride on his back. Which seems to be a problem because he's a very small donkey. I don't really think he can support like a full grown man. Um, yeah, it's he's he. We're told that he's young, and we see that he's young. So we yeah. presumably he's going to grow over time, mm -hmm. and maybe he'd be That's, able to support okay. a king. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we don't. Maybe, he kind of comes across as like this kind of like pygmy donkey, where I'm like maybe yeah. he's like a miniature donkey. But then he also carries Mary when she's nine months pregnant. And <laughs> That's true. He doesn't break. She's his a back. small woman, though. <laughs> I don't know. She was pretty big. Okay. Jesus was a big baby. <laughs> It's an interesting, so, like, obviously what they're going for is, like, he's going to carry Mary and Jesus is a king, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, like, it's kind of a weird, like, desire to be, like, my goal in life is to be ridden on by a king. I guess I'm not a donkey, so I can't say, like, what donkeys are thinking. But, um, it's, I don't know, little, <laughs> a little bit of a weird want. <laughs> um, so Mary heads from, I don't, I don't know where she was, but she goes to marry Joseph and she has to reveal to him that she is with child, with um, with God's child, the Son of God, Jesus. Yikes! Um, they don't. There's a little bit of an awkward moment, but <laughs> getting, she like travels to Joseph's house for like their marriage slash like the marriage party kind of thing. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then after it's over, she's like, "By the way," and then you're <laughs> like, "Oh shit, she's six months pregnant." Yeah. <laughs> Um, during this time, Bo escapes from, uh, he, he has a donkey, an old donkey friend at his, uh, Miller's and he escapes. He manages to get away from the Miller in a chase sequence. Him and Dave arrive. Um, they, they manage to stumble into Mary and Joseph's like yard and Bo is injured. So Mary tends to him, which is a moment that establishes is kind of her save the cat moment. I mean, I don't know. Maybe her save the cat moment is uh, when she agrees to give birth to the son of God. But she also helps a donkey. So that's nice. <laughs> we also learn that when animals are speaking, they are making their animal noises so humans can't understand yep. them. This isn't like a Dr. Doolittle kind of situation. No, it's uh, the all the animals speak the same universal animal language and humans do not understand it. So this is where we start to get into um, something that is going to be a theme throughout the movie. We we meet Joseph, as I've said, played by Zachary Levi, and um, he seems a little bit 
you you could say he doesn't really like the donkey. It's verging on he is threatened by the donkey. <laughs> he's he's not really into Mary keeping Bo around. There's a weird degree of jealousy there, I guess. But I guess wouldn't you be having issues if your your fiance, your bride to be, comes over and like, hey, I'm excited to get married. By the way, I'm yeah. Joseph I'm is with kind child. of having a crisis. <laughs> Around here is where we meet the uh, aforementioned camels. There's Felix, Cyrus, and Deborah, which I I actually don't know. Deborah is definitely a biblical name. I don't know about Felix and Cyrus, but these are the Tyler Perry, Tracy Morgan, and Oprah Winfrey characters. They are being ridden upon by the wise men, and they go to the home of King Herod, which is um, a, a pretty good performance by... That's Christopher Plummer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they express that they are bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the new king, which is news to Christopher Plummer. And he um, basically kidnaps the camels and the wise men into his palace and then is like, I'm going to send. This. So this is like, this is kind of dark. I don't know if this was going on, but he, he sends a man to like capital K kill Mary <laughs> with his like vicious dogs who are Ving Rhames and Gabriel Iglesias. Um, and there's, there's no, like, a lot of kids movies will kind of like beat around the bush a little bit of like, oh, he's going to like kidnap Mary. Mm. He's going to like bring her back. And there's kind of like a sinister vibe, but this is like, he has a big knife and he's like going after her. He's going to kill her and her unborn child. Yeah. He's a, a big scary dude with, that doesn't talk. Yeah. That has the two, no, he does not talk. the two dogs that also don't talk, but also want to kill. They talk. Oh. Well, they don't. I mean, they do their animal talk, but it's not like the dogs talk to him, you know. Oh no, no, no. Which is weird because he uses them to track Mary, and throughout the movie, it's like the dogs are really kind of leading the show because they like talk to Abby the pygmy Droba. Mm -hmm. They they talk to Bo, and like so. I don't know how he's communicating with these dogs. It seems like a lot of trust is just placed on like their sense of smell. <laughs> but I don't know. It, whatever. It's fine. This guy has a weird relationship to his dogs and he wants to kill Mary. Yes, there's this very strange uh, contrast between the baby, the nice little donkey and all the talking animals and the Christmas. And then also this very scary man who wants to murder Mary, yeah. pregnant Mary with a machete. Uh, yes. <laughs> this kind of strange dichotomy um, that did not really work well in my mind. Um <laughs> so uh so mary and joseph uh they have to leave nazareth which is where they are um in order to head to bethlehem for the census which i felt like this kind of i connected with this like it's a census year you know i filled <laughs> out the census and uh -huh. this movie kind of made me thankful that all i had to do was log onto a website and answer a few questions for the census instead of having to travel in the middle of the desert to go to a different city yeah that's that's um, true I guess that's how they had to do the census i'm kind of intrigued by the the logistics of the of biblical time census maybe I'll, I'll look into that um but yeah it is kind of um i was thinking this as i was watching it um this is a part of the story that i feel like i just kind of take for granted but it is like kind of weird that something so like bureaucratical and like <laughs> bureaucratic i guess would be the word is like a huge part of the christmas story and the story of jesus's birth and this like huge religious moment right. is just like affected by this thing that we still do today and it's just like yeah we filled out some stuff yeah it's very a very mundane basis for the uh rest of the story kind of seems like um i don't i don't want to do god's job for him but maybe he could have like 
impregnated Mary a little later, so they didn't have to deal with the census. Yeah, it's kind just, of just an idea. <laughs> um, so with Joseph and Mary out of town, um, like Bo thinks he's going to escape, or like Dave is trying to convince him to escape so they can go find the royal caravan. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the evil dogs find Bo, and um, there's this whole thing where they sniff Bo's bandage that Mary gave him, and then they get Mary's scent. So then they go after him, and then Bo and Dave realize they need to go after them so they can save Mary. Um, so they they head out on their big journey um, down down the road, and they immediately meet a friendly sheep who is named Ruth, who uh, left the flock. So something that's important to mention is that since Mary was had the uh, divine conception there's been oh yeah we forgot about the star the angel gabriel who's basically just a beam of pure uh like a being of pure energy created Mm -hmm. the star like the christmas star Mm -hmm. as well um that's been like causing all these animals to act weird and they're all obsessed with the star because it's so bright yeah and it's allegedly growing bright brighter over time um so maybe it's like a supernova or like a star that's uh yeah maybe they're in danger (laughs) So anyhow, Ruth is the sheep. Um, she's played by Amy Bryant. She's like the, the annoying character. I don't know. This movie is just like all of these archetypes of these animated. It seems movie. like Jenny Slate should be playing her, but isn't right. Just like that's kind of my uh, take on her quirky kind of uh, sheep character. They have this whole thing where the sheep teaches Bo how to walk down a cliff which is a very long sequence and not very interesting and also seems very <laughs> unnecessary um, because you're like, really? There was no other way for him to get down this hill besides going down this very elaborate cliff. Um, nope. But it turns out that it was, it's important that he learned how to do this cliff walking <laughs> later in the movie. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so eventually they catch up with Joseph and Mary in time to try to warn them that the dogs are coming for them. And this is taking place at a marketplace. Um the hunter is also there with the dogs. And this is kind of the moment where I was like, yeah, this is kind of a strange tension in this movie because the hunter like throws his machete at Mary and like misses narrowly um, <laughs> and like destroys the market. And I was like, this is yeah. kind of a lot for a kid's movie. Um, yeah. So he like destroys Bo and the hunter like destroy the market. And Joseph sees um, Bo doing this and thinks that Bo caused all of his problems and and uh dislikes Bo even more and is yep. potentially sexually threatened by Bo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were picking up on this vibe too. I wasn't while I was watching it, but when you as soon as you addressed it, I was like, yeah, that is kind of what's going on. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um because I feel like if Bo was a human character, that would indefinitely be the vibe of like he's like threatened by this other male's presence in his wife's life Mm. um but because like this is a story of animals and because they have to have like some point of contention it's just like this weird kind of thing that is unaddressed but seems to be the vibe that (laughs) joseph is just like doesn't like that his wife's hanging around this baby donkey (laughs) um so it's kind of like um like like Beethoven, I guess, like or like any movie where like the dad gets like a there's like a new pet that is wreaking havoc on the dad's life. And he's like, oh, why does my wife and kids love this large dog? But a little even weirder. There's like this is obviously very hard for Bo because he's trying to save Mary and he doesn't know why yeah. Joseph doesn't like him. Yeah. Um, 
so we enter what is I th- was assuming was the end of Act Two. This kind of seems like the <laughs> moment in the conventional hero's journey where all hope is lost. Keep in yeah, mind, yeah, I did. Um, I did say that. I I announced to Seth we are at the end of Act Two now. Which seems all is lost. odd because we were like forty five minutes into the movie, <laughs> and I was like, this seems like this is happening way too soon. But okay. Um. So now you're probably wondering, well, how did they get out of All Hope Is Lost? It's easy. They uh, Bo and Dave find the royal caravan. And they can join it, but then Bo realizes that he doesn't want to join the Royal Canavan. He'd rather be with Mary. Uh, and Dave is needs a little bit of convincing, but really not that much convincing because once again... Yeah, he's just kind of like, you're my friend, buddy. It's a kid's movie. They can't have two dark things except for the man with the machete. Right. It's a kid's movie that has almost no conflict in it besides one very disturbing inst- infl- <laughs> instance of conflict, yeah. which is a yeah. man trying to murder a pregnant woman with a machete. <laughs> And yeah. um, the other conflict, which is this weird kind of sexual tension between a man and his <laughs> donkey. Yeah. Other than that, between the characters, between the animals, no conflict. There's obviously the nope. dogs are trying to get to Bo, but even that is, you know, kind of negligible. Um, yeah. So Dave is really easily convinced that they should go back and find Mary and Joseph. Um, so Mary at this point is like fully nine months pregnant, walking through the desert. Um, they have a wagon that Joseph has been like wheeling behind but he's not wheeling wheeling like mary in the wagon yeah because it would be too heavy for him but it's not too heavy for Bo. right then they end up Bo and dave end up finding ruth again because they also had a falling out with ruth where Bo was like i don't want to be friends with you because you're annoying and she's like oh um and then they end up Bo, Dave, and Ruth end up meeting up again with Mary and Joseph when, like, their wagon breaks. And Joseph's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then Bo's like, I'm here. And he, he prays. You got to bring up the praying. There's a lot of praying in this movie. There's a lot of praying in this movie. Joseph prays for help because he doesn't know how they're going to get to uh, Bethlehem, whatever. And uh, um, it's convenient because it covers a lot of different plot holes that might be happening. Uh, it's kind of a... <laughs> Uh, deus ex machina situation literally well of course yeah because yeah. <laughs> god is literally intervening with the plot of the yeah. movie yes um so mary's starting to have like uh contractions like she's like super pregnant so yeah. Bo offers to have her ride on his back as they head into uh, bethlehem and they arrive at bethlehem and wouldn't you know it all the inns are full they can't find yeah, a place to stay because wow. of the census. Mm-hmm. I never, I never would have seen this coming. No, I, it's kind of like there's this big. I because this was also the census. I guess was really what drew me into this movie <laughs> and the the kind of logistics surrounding. Because I was like, yeah, this would suck if I just walked through the desert. And you're like, of course, all the inns are booked. I should have thought of this ahead of time. I should have planned. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's nowhere to stay. Um, so they're having a hard time. They can't really find anywhere to stay. Uh, and all of this is magnified because you know who also is in Bethlehem for the census? Who's, th- who's there? The Miller. Oh, shit. Bo's previous owner who he escaped from. He's also there doing the census because once again, everyone needs to be there for the census. Yeah. Uh, and it is a sad situation because the Miller takes Bo away from his friends and locks him up in a stable. So in the stable, Bo meets um, a horse named Leah, a cow named Edith, and a goat named Zach. They um, bring us back to the fact about the star and they say that the star has been shining so brightly onto their stable that none of them have been able to sleep. Bo sees that there is, I guess, like a, a 
I don't like I should know what this is called as a like person who's seen a lot of nativity sets, but like a a trough. What is, what is that thing like? The little thing, the little uh, manger. That's the main. That's what the manger is called. Yeah, I think so. Hold on, I gotta look up what is manger. Oh, that's the main. I always thought the manger was like the the stable. I guess yeah, but no, the manger is that thing. So it's like the little thing that you put hay in, whatever. It's a little bed for Jesus. It's Jesus's bed. Um, Bo puts together from the fact that the star is shining that this is where Jesus is supposed to be born, or I guess the baby, he doesn't know it's Jesus yet, but where Mary's baby is supposed to be born. So he hightails it right out of the the barn. He climbs over. um, Leah, Edith, and Zach make a little tower for him to climb over. He escapes from the barn. He reconnects with Ruth and Dave. They find Joseph and Mary and get them back to the stable, which is great. Everything is good. This should be the um, the act act three. Everything is okay. But what happens? There's another <laughs> act two all is lost moment <laughs> when um, the hunter and his dogs are in the city and they are hot on Mary's tail. Ready to ready to kill her as she's um, down for labor. They're they're gonna they're gonna come in there and cause some problems. So Ruth goes and finds her flock, which is a um kind of like a a backloading of this plot of like Ruth's, Ruth's <laughs> like the odd like the I guess the black sheep you could say oh, she's not oh. a black sheep but she's um she decided to follow the star where it led and her flock was not okay with that. So there's this kind of thing where she's like, oh, I'm nervous to see my flock again, which is not something we've heard about anywhere else in the movie. But and also this, um, it does happen. The subtext of like when you have a religious belief that no one else in your community agrees with and that they're encouraging Ruth to say like, you should follow the star and do that, even though if the rest of your community doesn't agree, there's this also that mm-hmm. kind of weird undercurrent going on of yeah. uh, Ruth being a proto-Christian in this moment. And um, she is rewarded for that behavior because she shows up to her flock and the angel um, makes a big flash of lightning thing. And then all the flock is like, ah, we have proof of God. Now we will follow you. So like, that seems like something God could do if he wants everybody to follow him. He he did it here. It was a weird choice, I thought, because I was like, really, out of all these different instances, you're going to intervene by communicating with a flock of sheep. Like, you're not going to say, (laughs) like, strike down the evil king or strike down the hunter who's trying to murder Mary. You're going to go with the approach of communicating with a flock of sheep. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But it works. Who am I to say it doesn't work? It worked. (laughs) Yeah. So while the um, the sheep. The flock of sheep is rushing into Bethlehem to help. Bo is facing off with the dogs and the hunter. He is able to take down the dogs, but the hunter ultimately overpowers Bo because it is a human man with a machete. He is about to strike Bo down when Ruth and her flock and the camels and Dave and all the animals just show up and they um, push the hunter back. So he stumbles off of a cliff. A cliff is back. This is where all of that information in that very long scene is going to come into play. So the hunter is hanging off of the cliff with his dogs hanging from their um, ropes. And this is a kid's movie, so this isn't going to happen. But um, the dogs should have been, like, choked to death from the way that they were hanging. Like, I don't know if you were thinking about that. I was thinking about it. Um, it's very much like noose kind of situation. Like, they're they're um, being strangled, but they're fine. They're okay. Bo is able to climb down the cliff, learn it using what he learned previously, and he offers a stick to help the dogs and then, like, by implication, the hunter as well. He doesn't want them to die for their mistakes. Um, The hunter is 
not willing to accept the help of a donkey holding a stick, which is kind of, you know, valid on his part. So he releases his dogs in order to be able to um, climb up and not have the dead weight of two uh, strangling dogs below him. But then uh, the, the cliff breaks and the hunter falls to his death. And we see it. We see him fall and hit the ground. It's pretty I, intense. I mean, two things like I the so I initially when I saw the villain at first, I was like, I bet he's probably going to fall off a cliff because I feel like that uh-huh. is the kids movie animated trope of uh-huh. getting rid of villains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where it's like the person like they're dead, but they well, they fell off of this thing. So maybe they're not dead. You're like, well, they're probably dead. So I was like, he's probably going. No one is actually going to kill anyone in this movie, but he's probably going to fall off of something and die. So I felt mm-hmm. validated by that. But now also talking to you, I feel like this is also another kind of um, allegory or the subtext in the scene is kind of that like Bo as the proto-Christian character is offering forgiveness to the non-Christian characters. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the ones that accept his forgiveness and join him are the ones that are saved and are okay. Mm-hmm. And anyone mm-hmm. who d- ex- does not accept that forgiveness and uh, is not willing to join that that thought, that belief system. I think that's absolutely what they're going for. <laughs> you fall off a cliff and die. In the next scene, um, the the dogs decide to be good dogs, so Bo helps them up off of the cliff using um he he had learned how to like be a wedge between like two rock faces, and he uses that skill to like pull them back up. So everything is okay. They all head to the um the stable and they crowd around this newborn baby, all these hot, sweaty animals that have just gone through a trauma are just gathered around. Every, everybody's okay with it. They don't, they're not carrying diseases. It's fine. The wise men arrive to give their gifts. We find the baby Jesus and he, the people in this movie look fine. They're like, it's CGI. The animals look best, but the people are okay. But the baby Jesus looks like shit. I'm just going to say it. Kind of looks like boss baby. Yeah, he kind of does. Well, that would make sense. Cause it's the same. That's also Sony, right? Um, I don't know. It might be dreams work. DreamWorks. I thought you were going to say it makes sense. Oh, because I think it's DreamWorks. Jesus is the original boss baby. That I mean, yes, Jesus is the original boss baby. That's a good, a good point. I would also like to point out here that Mary just gave birth. She was totally silent the entire time, and also, yeah, she didn't yell. There is no blood or placenta or anything, and Mary looks totally fine. I would wager. Uh, yeah, I have never had a baby myself, but Mary is cleaner here than I have ever been in my entire <laughs> life. She's wearing a white dress too. Like that's a it's spotless. Yeah, she's totally fine. <laughs> Baby Jesus, totally clean. There is nothing yeah. anywhere. Everyone is good. Yeah, I think so she just like sat down and just like plopped him out, and he was okay. Yeah, yeah. She says it's time, and then it's, <laughs> she didn't mean like it was time for labor. She just meant like the baby is going to come out now, and then she just then he came out. Yeah. It was fine. So we have some uh, wrap ups of all the through lines of the movie. We realize, um, Bo realizes that he has, in fact, carried a king on his back. He carried the unborn King Jesus. So, great. Great great for him. Um, and the camels have a nice little moment where Deborah, played by Oprah Winfrey, is validated. Um, they were having an argument earlier in the movie about whether it was a birthday, a baby shower, or the resurrection of God. And um, it turns out to be all three. <laughs> and uh, that's... That's pretty much it. We get the credits. Um, there's scenes of Jesus's life as a child. Like there's like them going back to Nazareth. There's like Jesus being a carpenter with his dad, like as a baby, he's like working on some wood, whatever. Um, Seth 
asked me if I thought that the the credit art was going to end with an adult Jesus on the cross, <laughs> uh, which I think would have been a nice touch. But um, this isn't an Easter film. This is not the Star Two. So maybe maybe the next one. <laughs> the Star Part Two. Yeah. Um, I guess also it's according to our notes. It says that um, Bo helps raise Jesus in the cutscenes or in the during the credits. So like that conflict, I think we're led to believe that Joseph has like warmed up to Bo over the course of this movie and he's fine with it. But he's kind of in like a polyamorous relationship with his wife and a donkey. They're both raising. They're like co-parenting. It's a three parent kind of situation. They're in a polyamorous relationship with his wife and a donkey and he's raising the son of God. It's just one of those classic yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. It's from the Bible. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bo would probably age and die much sooner than all of the humans in this case. Yeah, but- that's probably what um like the conclusion that joseph came to is just like this donkey's gonna be dead before i am so i was thinking earlier too when they were really having the conflict between joseph and Bo, that um i was like if realistically at this time like joseph probably would have just killed Bo, right like if you were someone living in, in this time period historically you're well, like you have an animal food. that's misbehaving yeah you just kill it and yeah. eat it yeah instead um, of being like baby on the way yeah He's not gonna be like, oh no, I gotta hear, I gotta empathize with the donkey. Like, no, it's times are tough when you're living in in Israel at the uh, I was gonna say turn of the century, but I guess the start of the first century. I don't know the The century. Yeah, the calendars are year one. Year one. I don't know who decided that. Seems pretty arbitrary. So I have a couple things I wanted to bring up. The first thing um, chronologically is I don't. Did you notice the note in the credits? Did you watch that far into the credits? Uh, I did not watch that far into the credits. Okay, so after um, the last, like, image of Bo helping to raise Jesus, um, there is a director's note, I guess you would call it, um, where they say that, basically, like, we've had a lot of fun making this movie, we've tried to make it light, but we were trying to appeal to, as they refer to it, the greatest story ever told, and its general mood, and not... um that appeal to Christianity. They basically say like, Hey, we had some fun here, but uh, this one's for the Christians. <laughs> um, so it was, it was very funny. It was a very, um, strange little note to see after visions of baby Jesus. It's also kind of strange that they would put that after the movie when everyone who was not enjoying the film would have already <laughs> left instead of yeah. having that at the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. It would be interesting if it was at the beginning. Um, my next thing, um, the, the star, the song sung by Mariah Carey over these credits, was nominated for an Oscar, and it did lose to This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. I did not think the song was that good. Uh, I thought it would... The star. I, I don't know how it went. This is what I think. Kelly Clarkson is a, the voice of Leah the horse in this. Uh-huh. Why don't you just have Kelly Clarkson do the song? She's in the movie. Well, I think Mariah Carey like requested to do it. That's what I had read. Oh. So she she wanted in and they referred to her as like the queen of Christmas because of all I want for Christmas is you. So <sighs> at least it's not pentatonic. I guess so. Again, I guess. I, OK, Kelly Clarkson's got a Christmas album, too, though. It's a little I would say it's as good, if not better than Mariah Carey's Christmas work. All right. So let's talk Christmas songs, Um, either Christmas songs in this movie or just Christmas songs in general. Best and worst. What do you think? Uh, Worst Christmas song is Dominic the Donkey. Oh, well, I was going to say Mary Did You Know, which is in this movie. I think that song sucks. Okay. That's also, yeah, that's a, I don't, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, So now the best Christmas songs? Best Christmas song. My favorite Christmas song is like very much like of the like 
um, consumerism Christmas and not um, like the Jesus Christmas. Sure. So if you want me to pick a different one, I can. But I really like Silver Bells. Yeah, I kind of um, I like I like those ones. I like the uh, when you have like the uh, pop musicians doing Christmas songs, too. I like the Elton John uh-huh. Christmas song and the Paul McCartney Christmas song. Of course, Josh Groban Christmas songs, Michael Buble. Well, not all of them. I wasn't saying I like all of the <laughs> pop star ones. I was just saying. You love Michael Buble, of course. Well, I have an activity here for you as a okay. uh, someone who is a host of Go Chuck Yourself and Go the Star Yourself. Okay. I wonder if this is the same thing. I was going to bring up something, so I wonder if it's the same thing. Okay. How okay. I'm going to uh, name actors from Chuck and you have to cast them in roles in this movie. Oh, okay. This wasn't what I was going to bring up. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Uh, Zachary Levi, I guess, is already Joseph, so we'll give you that one. Uh, okay. Yvonne Strahovski. I mean, Mary, obviously. Okay. Uh, Adam Baldwin. She could... I feel like it... Oh, Adam Baldwin. Um, Adam Baldwin would be good in, like, the Ving Rhames role, I think. Okay. Or, like, the Hunter, because the Hunter kind of grunts. That's what... That's the majority of his vocal performance. Joshua Gomez. Joshua Gomez would be a great Dave. Vic Sahe. Oh, um... I think he would maybe be good in, like, the Tracy Morgan role. Scott Krinsky. Scott Krinsky. I haven't cast Bo yet, which is kind of, Maybe Joshua Gomez would be a pretty good Bo. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Scott Krinsky... Okay, do we have, like, a duo? Other... Like, the dogs are kind of, like, could be a Jeffster duo, but I feel like I stand by Adam Baldwin would be good. Mm-hmm. So, um... Scott Krinsky could be the, uh, the Gabriel Iglesias dog. Okay. He could probably handle that. Sarah Lancaster? Sarah Lancaster would be a good, um, how about Ruth the Sheep? Ryan McPartland? Running out of animals here. <laughs> um, oh, he could be, um, the, the goat in the, well, the goat's really ugly, though, so I don't know if that, oh, he could be, um, he could be the Miller. Huh, okay. Or he could be the, oh, he could be the angel. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so then I feel like that probably, uh, <laughs> Well, we we got all we we should um say uh Beckman who who would that be Bonita Friedrichsy um Bonita Friedrichsy um could be probably like the Oprah Camel okay because she's pretty wise. What about Timothy Dalton? Hmm. Well, he could also be the Ving Rhames dog. That could be an alternate casting. Um. Oh no no no. He should be um King Herod. That's who she should be. he should be. Gotcha. And then uh, okay. what about Brandon Routh? Last one. Well, he could be Bo. How about he's Bo? Okay. Okay. All right. So hopefully you, the listener at home, were writing all those down and were able to uh, c- capture all of Aaron's fan casting because it seems like there was a lot of undoing and uh, redoing and uh, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of non-linear casting going on. So. Okay. So my question for you. Okay. Mary and Joseph in this film. Mm-hmm. How do you think their relationship relates to Chuck and Sarah's relationship? <laughs> Um, because I think there are parallels. There are pa- parallels here. I think that there's um, Joseph and Chuck are two characters who are both th- average guys thrown into uh, not so average, outstanding circumstances, partially because of the women that are in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so they struggle with feelings of inferiority. They struggle with that. Um, they. Joseph seems to be a little bit more serious than Chuck. Not to say that Chuck's not mm-hmm. serious, but he seems to mm-hmm. take himself a little bit more seriously. Um, I would say that Chuck and Sarah's relationship is probably a little bit stronger because their relationship is rooted in friendship, whereas Joseph and Mary seem to kind of have a 
strangers who were decided to wed. I don't know the exact backstory between them, but it seems a little bit more transactional there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're they're at the beginning of their relationship, whereas where we are in Chuck, um, Chuck and Sarah have been in a relationship for four seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that Mary and Joseph won't grow closer, but I feel like this movie is like their like the beginning of their love story. Mm-hmm. The um the director and writer's intention seems to be they they make a lot of references to Mary and Joseph both have things that they need to learn on this journey in order to have a successful relationship and to be successful human beings. Um I feel like Joseph has a lot more to learn. I feel like he's kind of like he's not really there's not a lot of conflict in this movie, so he's not, like, an antagonistic force, exactly, but, like, he has to learn to kind of, like, go with the flow, and that, like, he has, like, greatness, heroism thrust upon him, and I feel like that does kind of relate to Chuck. Yes. Um, Which seems so I to wonder if he... be the kind of uh, Zachary Levi's forte of these characters, because yes. it's, like, Shazam, yeah. and then uh, his... His character entangled, which we've never viewed or discussed, but I imagine that was something. That oh, we we'll should we should do that, that on the point. horizon. Yeah, because <laughs> you know when you think of animated Zachary Levi vehicles, you think of the star, and then you think of Tangled. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then later we can do um his his run on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> uh, so now for this segment that we have coming up, we have this segment that we do every every time on. Um, Go the star yourself. It's called Jesus Mary Joseph, where we pick one part of this episode that we'd like to marry, and one part of this episode, uh, I guess specifically Joseph's or Zachary Levi's performance as Joseph and our thoughts about it. Uh, so, Aaron, what would you like to marry? So, my Mary, um, as I mentioned here at the beginning of this episode, I had some contention, feelings of contention about nine months BC, but I'm ultimately coming down on the side of I think that's a pretty hilarious bit, and I would like to marry it. I also the would like to marry, uh, I guess, the two bits that I thought were actually legitimately funny in this movie. The one, the first one that made me laugh out loud was <laughs> when uh, Ruth the sheep does her impression of a dog, and there's okay. like she makes a very weird face, and there's this very jarring like close up <laughs> on her face as she's yeah, doing it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very weird, and I enjoyed that. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing I thought was funny was that when the mouse uh, or whatever the pygmy creature, Jeroba, Jer- that yeah. Um, she's voiced by Kristen Chenoweth and there's a mm-hmm. scene where she's recounting to other animals how she thought that the angel Gabriel was talking to her about carrying the son of God and I thought that was a <laughs> kind of a funny bit that, yeah, that she was funny. telling a joke about that and it doesn't like land because everyone's distracted so she's like upset yeah. that that joke didn't work yeah so I uh, that was cute I appreciated that, cute that. I thought it was cute yeah uh so Joseph what do you think uh, exactly so this is <laughs> this is a tough one I mean I'm, I'm always excited to see or hear, in this case, Zachary Levi. I think that he did um, a good, like, vocal performance. Um, the character of Joseph, again, is uh, sexually threatened by a donkey, so it is a little bit weird. I don't think that that was Zachary Levi's fault. I think that is more a writing issue. I think that he um, he sold that. I believe that he was threatened by a donkey. I think that he... I, I don't know if he was uh, directly drawing on the things that we mentioned that have kind of like crossover appeal with Chuck, but I feel like there is some of that, like, he does a good job of like having greatness thrust upon him. He doesn't know what to do. He has to take some time to like come to terms with everything. And then ultimately he like handles it. So I don't think he did 
better or worse than the majority of the other actors in this film. <laughs> so that is what I will say. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think that, you know, like you were saying, Joseph is one of the few characters who like seemingly face some kind of personal struggle in this film. Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. that would be one one struggle in this movie or one kind of personal conflict. Uh, so that means that he kind of had at least some kind of emotional arc or that he had some kind of character development where mm -hmm. uh, he was different at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning. Yeah. So mm -hmm. although the material didn't give Zachary Levi a ton to work with, he handled it, you know, fine. It was yeah. as, as well as you could with uh, the role. So uh, moving on, we are going to do the <laughs> the stars star scale <laughs> where we assign uh, zero through five stars to this viewing of the star based on how much we like it. Weirdly, um, it has become kind of like normal. Like usually you give movies stars and in a roundabout way, we have come to giving this movie a star. Yes. Uh, how many stars would you like to give this movie? I'm going to give this movie a whopping two stars. Wow. I thought that the majority of it um, just made me uncomfortable. I would say <laughs> it felt um, weirdly like I think I I have no no problem. Like if you are a Christian and you viewed this movie or are showing this movie to your kids as like part of the um, like. The, in the way that you would view Veggie Tales, like just kind of like a nice um, introduction to the story of the Nativity. Like, I have no problem with that. But for me, it felt kind of like a little verging on propaganda. It was just a little uncomfortable for me. Um, I think that it's a little bit, um, there's a lot of talk and like talk about the production of this movie where they're saying, like, oh, I can't believe this movie was never made, which I agree with. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that this movie wasn't made in the 90s when, um, and obviously they were trying to make it in the 90s, <laughs> so that makes sense. But um, it just feels weird for, like, 2017. Like, there's, there's no, like, problems with it. Like, it's not, like, offensive in any way. It's just kind of, like, odd to have this kind of movie existing. Mm -hmm. And I think from a story perspective, like the performances are all decent. Um, I think all of the voice performances, all of like the animation looks good. The donkey's cute. The people are cute. Like we've talked about the like racial issues, but uh, like everybody looks fine um, compared to watching the Christmas Carol right before. Like this looked great, um, but there isn't really any conflict. The, um, the conflict that does exist is really jarring. The sexual threatening by a donkey is weird. Um, so all of those things detract from it. I didn't, I didn't fall asleep. I didn't like hate it. It was kind of a fun way to spend my, um, it was only an hour and a half, less than an hour and a half. So that was great. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's going to be my review of it. It's like, it's an hour and 20 minutes. What about you? So as I said before, I am clearly not in the audience for the movie. You were not in the yeah. audience for this movie. No. Uh, it was not made for us. Uh, when animated movies work well, they are able to appeal to both kids and adults in different ways, mm -hmm. which I think is something mm -hmm. that Pixar does well. Yeah. Um, and maybe this movie does work for some adults, but yeah. to me, this is just a flimsy cliche riddled cash grab <laughs> uh i had you know the the one legitimate laugh the entire time and then found the whole other thing to be completely predictable 
I had about as much fun watching this movie as I did when I attended church as a child, which is to say no fun <laughs> at all. Um, like I said, I've never seen Veggie Tales before, and thank God for that. But I'm assuring, I'm assuming that they are pretty similar to this movie. Um, even though I ended up watching this movie with commercials, it felt super quick. Like he says, "Oh my God, you watched it with commercials!" Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awful. Um, maybe because all the characters overcome any obstacles presented to them with ease and in a matter of seconds. And there's like the structuring is very weird. Like we said, we thought the third act was happening when it wasn't or maybe it did. Mm-hmm. wasn't really clear. Yeah. Um, you know, the weird juxtaposition between how effortless, effortless and cute the characters are with the fact that the, the villain is trying to murder a pregnant woman with a machete. We've talked about is doesn't really make sense. But like that was pretty significant uh, disconnect there. And. I know when we had watched Shazam last year, I described it as kind of like a high budget Disney Channel original movie. I would like to describe the star as the movie that Sunday school teachers put on the day before Christmas and yeah. that none of the kids pay attention to because they're so excited about Christmas and Christmas break. Yeah. Uh, and even though, like I said, I streamed this movie using FX now, I could almost hear the sound of children loudly talking and playing <laughs> over this movie, <laughs> followed by the temporary silence when the teacher tells them to quiet down and then they get loud again. And then the teacher just totally gives up and that just goes on for the rest of the movie. Uh, I would say that it's probably a generous assumption that this movie could hold even the best natured child's attention. I feel like it just, if you were a kid watching this, you'd have to be like really little because otherwise you just would not hold your attention. And so with all that being said, this movie is focused on one star and one star only. And so am I. <laughs> I give this movie one star, the star. I'm going to give it the Christmas star to be exact, which is one of, I think, the best stars, in my opinion. It's not the best star, since I think the sun is the best star, since it powers <laughs> okay. all life on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also not the second best star, because I think that's Alpha, Alpha Centauri, which is an awesome name. Also a relatively close star to our solar system in the universe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas star, third best star. That's what I'm giving this movie. Okay, great. So I think we've learned a lot about ourselves this week, but we also have our lesson of the week. Aaron, what did you learn? I think that uh, people are going to remember this night. What happened around this manger will be celebrated for thousands of years. Families will come together and exchange presents and sing carols, all to remember the grace of this moment that we are witnessing right now. Was that original? <laughs> that's what that's what the Oprah Camel says at the end of this movie. <laughs> Thank you, Oprah. What about you? Well, this week, Aaron, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Oh, was that original? Yeah, it was definitely original. Off the dome. That was incredible. Yeah, it was. uh, That is, of course, uh, Linus's speech from a Charlie Brown Christmas, (laughs) (laughs) which you did not seem to recognize. And I do not blame you because I I did not recognize it either until I Googled it and found it myself. 
I just assumed it was from the Bible. It might be. I don't know where Linus got it from. I mean, I think it is. I think it is from the Bible. Because in this interview with Lights, Camera, Jackson, he says, in A Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus literally quotes the Bible. A lot of people say that they just couldn't make a special like that these days because political correctness. I, I I don't care for Charlie Brown Christmas either. So maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just not for me. It's not for me. But, you know, I don't really like it either. I don't really like, I like Rudolph. I don't really like the Grinch. I like the, um... Did you see the uh, Matthew Morrison Grinch live? <laughs> I saw that, that it yet? exists. I do not have plans <laughs> of, of watching it. I did like the Jim Carrey Grinch when I was a child. I don't know if I would like it now, but I kind of like it in like a meme capacity. Mm. Um, want to rank want to rank Christmas movies while we're here? <laughs> <laughs> Which ones? Um, just any of them. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, like. Of the of the like claymation special, no, just any, any oh Christmas Jesus, movie. okay. Um, <laughs> well, I like Christmas Vacation is always one of my favorites. I like my parents watched that last night. Um, my mom said I hate this movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, I like Jingle All the Way. I've never seen that. I think that's a good one. I think uh, um, Elf is obviously the. The new millennium oh, no. classic. Mm, I don't really like. You don't like Elf? Oh well, we've talked about how I like a Christmas story. And you you hate a Christmas story. Yeah, I don't like Christmas story. Um, I feel like there is one that I really. Oh, you know what's a really good Prancer is really good. Oh, you know what's actually a really good one that we should actually watch together sometime. The Star. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's <laughs> no, exactly I haven't. What's like, it about? It's oh okay. Yeah, it's about um, uh, it's basically like the nativity story where it's told through the perspective of the animals. Ooh, and that's interesting. I can't believe no one's ever made that before. No, it's it's very clever, and there's um there's really not you know it's pretty inoffensive aside from there's some things that you might be kind of thrown off by. Uh, but if you it's good if you don't like humor or like drama or anything. It's like <laughs> okay, well I that. hate those things. Yeah, that's so. why I watch Chuck. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> How dare you say that about Chuck? <laughs> we made a lot of like blatantly like. And not anti-religious, but non-religious comments in this episode. But the thing that's going to get our fans just boycotting us forever is when I insulted Chuck just now. And maybe that is the true meaning of the holidays. So I hope that you have a nice holiday, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you celebrate, whoever you're, you're celebrating it with this year. I hope that you have a nice time, that you're staying safe. And I wish you the best. Thank you for listening. This has been fun. I enjoy doing the Christmas special. Uh-huh. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food, specifically holiday food, maybe some cookies, maybe some hot cocoa, maybe maybe whatever else you're having on the holidays, candy canes, maybe, all that stuff is sexy. And my name is Erin Arado, letting you know that as Mary and Joseph learn in The Star, anything is possible. Anything. If you believe. Well, I mean, it's possible whether or not you believe, but that's a different movie. I think that's The, priest, the Prince of Egypt. The Priest of Egypt. <laughs> Check it out. The Priest of Egypt, now on Netflix. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. To you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. 
New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.